0: Richard, why don't you come, and then Jerry, and then I'll finish up. Richard, you can put it on or just hold it up like this. Richard Graham, Jerry Brasher.
1: Like this. This piece here. Okay. Um, I didn't know I was going to get to go first. I was hoping I'd have... Uh, some time to calm down after uh, seeing that video. Um, I got back uh, Friday night, and uh, I went into church uh, breakfast the next morning. And I ran into Larry Davis and Dale, and I don't remember who else was there. But they, uh, when they found out I'd gone to Guatemala, they said, how'd it go? And I said about three words, and I stopped. Like, I'm stopping now. So, you'll have to put up with that. But I assure you, they are tears of joy. Um, I'm going to regress for a minute, though, um, because I want to talk about something. Uh, and it's not really about Guatemala, but I'll tie it back together for you. Um, on our trip, we had a discussion about a, a, a two-legged dog. It kind of came up one night and it kind of became a joke about a two-legged dog. And I entered the room right at the time that the discussion was ending and they were looking for somebody to be a two-legged dog. And I I didn't get the whole point until I ran into uh, Patty Oliver, who uh, gave me a piece on Sunday about the two-legged dog. And so I wanted to share that with you for a minute so you can see how it, it ties in to our Guatemala trip. Um... Back in 1989, uh, there was an Australian dog named Rusty. Rusty was a 50-pound uh, cattle-herding dog. And uh, Rusty was hit in a, in a hay-mowing uh, accident and actually lost two of his, his two left legs. <laughs> he lost one or the other, left or right, but they, he lost both of them. And uh, Rusty went on to have three more accidents where he was hit three more times. And he lost uh, one leg and part of his tail. And his owners finally in uh, 1999, I believe it was, uh, put him to sleep because they found uh, an intestinal problem and cancer. And they didn't want to put Rusty through that. But what they said about Rusty was that he was a miracle dog. He knew one thing, and that was how to fight. Well, um, last week, I met 165 miracle children. They know how to fight. They know how to love. And they know how to give. And they taught me a lot. And earlier this week, I had lunch with somebody, and I was telling him about the trip. And he made the statement to me. He said, "Well, you know, I just I have a problem with that. I just have." And I said, "What? What? What is the problem?" And he said, "Well, you know, I could, I could give three thousand dollars, and I'd just rather see that money go directly to him, and uh, you know, versus spending it on myself to go down there and do that." And I I told the gentleman, and and it wasn't my words, it was our Lord's words, that God wants our heart and He wants our love. And that's what this trip was about. Because we could all send money and we could all do that from here. God will show you your heart and he will show you his love like you've never seen it before. So I would encourage you, if you haven't been, and maybe it's not Guatemala, but to go. Skip that Orlando vacation or Destin vacation and go. And if you're fortunate enough, take your children when they're ready and, and show them something that we all need to see. Thank you.
2: One of the things that thrills my heart and soul is to see people like Richard and others go and experience that incredible emotion And the heartfelt pulse of the Holy Spirit in your life, in your veins, as you go and witness those kinds of things. I've been privileged for about 10 years now to be part of the global missions and the whole mission program at Grace, and I can't tell you how fortunate I am and how um, just um, grateful that the Lord put me in that position all these years. And... um, there's something that uh, was on, that was a commercial a few years ago. I don't know if it's still on, but it says, you remember this? It doesn't get any better than this. I think it was a middle light, beer commercial. Well, you know, um, I thought about that in Guatemala this past week. And I said to myself, and I was among all those kids and, and feeling all those emotions and seeing what God had done with that ministry there, it doesn't get any better than this. And um, I've been privileged in my business career to be, uh, to have trips all over the world. In fact, I turned down two trips this year to five-star resorts to do things like we did did last week. I didn't say that to say that, you know, I want you to feel sorry for me that I'm missing all those great trips. I don't want to go on those trips anymore, to be honest with you. I'd rather be here where it doesn't get any better than this. And I'm... Um, so grateful that I had the privilege of doing that. Um, my involvement with the Potter's House for the last um, almost year now, we, we actually found this organization in August of last year. Um, Samaritan's Heart, who I'm associated with, uh, went down there in 1999 looking for this very ministry. But the person he was looking at, looking at it with who was a Guatemalan, would never take us to this place. And we can never get anything going up for those kids on the dump with this particular person. But in time, God showed us this place about a year ago. Uh, we were told that there's a place in Guatemala near the dump that has this kind of ministry that you're looking to, to be involved in. So we made contact with Gladys and Edgar, who uh, are the directors, and went down and looked at it last August, a few of us. And we were overwhelmed with what we saw. So we came back and began to put some trips together. We went down in January with a group, which is what this film was about. We went down last week, and we'll have another, hopefully, uh, in January. We will have another one in January of next year, and maybe one in between. We're not sure yet. But it is an incredible ministry where God has taken two people and absolutely, um, through them, through the Holy Spirit, have changed lives by the hundreds over the last 15, 16 years. We don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit when it's turned loose with people who are committed to do God's will in their lives. And Edgar and Gladys are these people, and we saw that over and over again last week. Uh, we are very, very fortunate to be a part of that. Technically, Potter's House is not part of Grace's list of missionaries, but hopefully that will change very soon. And matter of fact, there's a great project that I'm praying, that a lot of us are praying for, and that is that a church will be established. You saw on this film a church building. that is That would just happen to be a building that they're looking at to buy. Um, they don't have the resources to do that, but uh, Jimmy Young and a few elders are going down in August, Lord willing, to look, check this out and to be a part of that church plant. And because of the scavengers, um, because they're scavengers in the eyes of the Guatemalan people, they are not welcome in a church in the, neighbor, in, in the area. So what happens is they have been, they've gone and they've been rejected, and because they're scavengers. You have to understand these people only make an average of $2 a day scavenging through this mess of a garbage dump. So Gladys and Edgar says we need a church for these people to worship. We have people that have come to Christ. Uh, We have um, a a large contingency that want to do this. In fact, I asked Molly, one of the American missionaries there helping them, how many people would be there for the first Sunday if this church was established. She says no less than 300 would be there the first Sunday of people who worship among their own kind. And so I'm praying, and I wish you would pray with me and Jeff and others, that when Jimmy goes down, he'll see this, and we will... Uh, get behind this as a church and establish that uh, church there for for the scavengers, which in turn will become. I mean, they're, they call them scavengers, but we know they're treasures, and that's what we call them. But I would encourage anyone who would like to go on that trip to let me know or Jeff know. Next January will be um, for sure. We will be going next January or early February, and uh, we can take as many as 30 people. So. If you uh, like to go and be part of that, we'd love to have you. There is a verse in um, 1 Samuel that speaks to, I think, what God is doing there with the potter's house in Guatemala City. Hannah's pr- her prayer uh, is thanking the Lord basically for the birth of Samuel. And in this context of this prayer, there's a, two verses. It says this, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. And you saw Magda in that film. You saw another gentleman named, a young man named um, Tito. Those are being honored by what God has done through Edgar and Gladys in the Potter's House. So, I appreciate your prayers for the visit we're going to make in August with Jimmy, that um, the door will be open for us to be down there more than once or twice a year. And Jeff says 12 times, what you said? 12 times a year?
0: I said four. Bill said
2: 12. Oh, okay. But anyway, thank you for uh, listening to me. And um, I, I count it a real, real privilege to be a part of this church, this ministry, and what God is doing. Okay. Thank
0: you. Turn, of you would, to Isaiah 61. That's real good, Jerry and Richard. Real good. Isaiah 61, first verse. I'm going to read 1 through 4. Read along if you have your copies. Listen if you don't. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, and to announce that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies, to all who mourn in Israel. He will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. For the Lord has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for His own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will repair cities long ago destroyed. They will revive them, though they have been empty. For many generations. And these are a people that this describes. And this is a people that we minister to. Whether they're in Memphis, Tennessee or Guatemala City, uh, Guatemala. Jesus' ministry is outlined there. And if you've ever read the passage in Luke 4.18. It's a repeat of this passage. And Jesus read it while he was in a synagogue. And then said it's been completed. It's been fulfilled in me. And so the way I think God wants us to interpret that is that ministry that I read to you can be your ministry and my ministry. And it should be your ministry and my ministry. Now, of course, you've got to realize I'm going to talk a little bit about basketball because that was what I was involved in. But also as I talk about basketball, I'm going to be sharing with you a typical day for all 16 of us who went, and I'll emphasize what I did. Uh, Richard was with me quite quite a bit of the time, too. But uh, I take this passage that comes from the Apostle Paul when he said, I have become all things to all men that I might by some means save some. Listen again. The words of the Apostle Paul. I have become all things to all men that by some means some. Might be saved. So. If. Sewing curtains. And uniforms. For those Guatemalan kids. Those 160 kids. Will be used of God. To lead them to the Lord. Let's sew. If. Painting rooms. Six of them. Will provide an opportunity. For those kids to, to be saved. Let's paint the rooms. Let's do the caricatures. Characters. If. Taking what is terribly ugly all around the Potter House, and take some spades and some dirt and some flowers and some plants and waterfalls, and turn that into something beauty, full that so they can all can see, will be helpful of God to, to win people to the Lord. Let's do that. And if we need a medical place, if we will need to take doctors and, and being a doctor and using your expertise to treat them will allow you to, to in turn tell them about Jesus, and they did every person that came into the clinic and win people to the Lord, let's do that. And playing basketball will win people to the Lord, let's play basketball. And that's what I did. And God blessed every one of those ministries that we were involved in. Uh, We would leave after breakfast. We would prepare breakfast back at the seminary where we stayed. And then we would walk the five blocks to the dump. Potter's House is right on the dump. The first day... We took a thousand sandwiches and a thousand drinks down into the dump and we walked it and we handed it out to those people. And the interpreters who were with us would allow us to communicate to the people with the people who were in the dump. And we would also pass out a sheet of paper entitling them to come and see our doctors in the afternoons. And it was a real difficult situation to handle. For me, it was not the people. Although they were caked in dirt and filth and clothes were torn and tattered, although that was the look of them, it wasn't the people, it was the surroundings. It was the stench. It was the dust from the dump trucks that one's going down and one's coming up all the time. Dirt's flying all over the place and you want to just cover your mouth so you could breathe. But the people were beautiful. You're saying, why don't they get out of the dump? Read your history. 36 years of war in Guatemala. Many of these people, 10,000 strong, that live in and around the dump, have no choice. They came back from the war, and that's the best that they could do. They're hard workers. They're hard workers. They're not down there not working. They're at it. They're they're doing the things that they need to do to survive. And as uh, Jerry mentioned, $2 a day. That's what they survive on. And you'll see a dump truck... With all this stuff come in, you'll see kids 9, 10, 12 years of age jump the dump trucks as they're going down so they can get first shot at what's there. So after the, the dump procedure, we were doing the various things that were, were mentioned that I just got through mentioning. Now, my part in basketball was two years ago I had had a chance to work with the international team, men and women, which is their best team. They're, they're Michael Jordans and Shaquille O'Neal's, whom the kids look up to. And I had a chance to work with them two years ago, and I got reconnected with them. They happen to have this year two Cuban coaches. You say, why? Because there's no Cuban basketball coaches. I mean, excuse me, no Guatemalan basketball coaches. They had to go to Cuba to get their help. And by the way, they heard the gospel too. But you say, uh, how's that uh, socialism working in Cuba? Here's how it works. Both of them, male and female, had two kids. They hadn't seen them. They see them once a year. They have a three-year and a four-year commitment to coach those teams. They make $800 a month. $650 goes back to Cuba. Mandated. They get $150. And, as they told me, it's better than what we have in Cuba. So I worked with the international team, consulted with the coaches in the morning. Then in the afternoon... We had 165 kids. And we took them goals, basketball goals and backboards and nets and all the equipment that was needed. And in a very confined space, about like this part here, we had a goal and a goal. And they started bringing them to Richard and I, first graders who played soccer. You want to teach them basketball? All they want to do is kick the basketball. They don't want to shoot it. They don't want to throw it. But they were very intrigued by basketball, and it's coming on in, in, like gangbusters down there. So we had one after another, one, two, three, four, five, six different clinics with them. And uh, it was it was wonderful. I don't think I ever got tired. I was very, really worried about my voice and tiring, but just seeing those kids' smiles and and working with them as they now dribble right-handed down and left-handed back. That's what we started out with. No, don't kick it. Dribble it. Dribble it. Don't kick it. And I had a wonderful time with them and saw them improve. And then my heart's desire was to, to, to have connection with the international team. And the coaches, after consulting with them the first day, gave me the team the next three days at night. So I worked uh, two hours with the men's team and two hours with the women's team. How about evangelism, you ask? Is there an opportunity to evangelize? evangelize? Every day of practice and clinics, we share verse, verses with them and pray. And then on the last day with the kids at, uh, at the Potter's House, uh, Richard and I and Steve Brown went through each classroom and shared well, they shared their testimony and I shared the gospel. And many prayed to receive Christ right there in the classroom. And of course, the teachers will will now be a part of their discipling. I can't tell you what happened with the international team. Uh, I do know that on the last night that I took them in their dressing rooms and was given free reins to tell them about Jesus. And I might add, the Cuban coaches were listening to every word I said. Every word I said. Or the Lord's word through me. I know that right as, as soon as we finished, Cristobal, who is a AIA with Campus Crusade, who was my man to drive me and interpret, said that both coaches is permitting him to begin his Bible studies with them the next day. So they're doing the Bible studies with this international team. The international team is coming on rapidly. The men's team want me to try to get them scheduled in the Mid-South area for a tour. They've improved in two years so much, I think that they're getting real close to playing teams like Memphis and Ole Miss and various teams within the United States. And wouldn't it be wonderful to have them in and visit with us and be in our church and be among our fellowship? I'd love to see that happen. But I have a dream. I have a dream in regards to basketball. And let me take about five minutes to share that dream with you. The president of the Federation for Basketball in Guatemala extended to Cristobal to me to organize basketball coaches for Guatemala. They have 100,000 kids that want to learn basketball between the ages of 14 and 20. 100,000. They do not have the coaches, the Cubans, coaching their team. They want coaches to be brought during the month of June in to saturate Guatemala City and the country of Guatemala with coaches. To teach them fundamentals and anything else you want to say. The president of the federation has said, we want coaches that teach values. You can teach Christianity all you want. You have an open door. You ever read anything in the scriptures about fields white to harvest? 100,000, 14 to 20 year olds, waiting to learn basketball, and oh yes, I have become all things to all men, that I might by some means... Save some. God would call those to himself. So what I'm doing is, is I'm going to be looking for potential coaches within the church. Uh, I've already talked to some guys here tonight, and there are others that I know of, that would be willing to uh, take six or seven days in June and go down there and saturate that country. I could do clinics with them in our own gym to teach them what they need to teach. It is not that complicated. They could learn the basic skills. We also are going to canvas the city. You have guys like Terry Tippett, for example, that's won the state at White Station. I don't know how many times. Terry's a Christian. Certainly we'd like to take him and have him be a part of it. We have the coach from Houston across the way who comes and uses our facility. And there are many other uh, coaches in, this, in the surrounding area of Memphis. And our goal, what God has given to us, is five next year, And then at the end of five years, take 80. From five to 80 in five years. Into Guatemala and Guatemala City to do what the Lord has called us to do. Now, I close with this Magda and Hito. Magda is 22, I think 18 years on the dump. You saw how beautiful she is. She's a, a wonderful girl, a wonderful Christian. She's been transformed, and, and she's a, uh, really on fire for the Lord Jesus. Uh, educated now. University bound. Goes, travels two hours each way and is in class for six hours on Saturday. She's going to get their degree. She's going to be in a profession someday. Hito, one of the big gang members of the dump. At one time, number three in power among the, the gangs that are there around the dump. And uh, he's seen it all. He's experienced it all. He said that in the gang, they said that the way to prove that you were a man was to shoot him at point blank. I mean, right up to him. Boom! And shoot him. He didn't tell us all of his story. One can only guess what happened to him. But you saw him on the screen. He works at the potter's house now. He's been converted. He's been born again. He tells the people back in the dump... The story of Jesus Christ's love for them. And I recall, I'm sure the rest of you did, as we went down in the dump, it seemed like everybody knew him. He he drove the truck down every day. And when he would get out of the truck and start walking around, they'd all come up. And he's got a tremendous witness to the people in the dump. Now, there are the models. There are the models. Hito and Magda. And there are literally hundreds that could follow them in their footsteps, if they only had an opportunity. Potter's House deals with 160, 165. If we got involved in that church, it would double or triple the number from the dump and around the dump that we could minister and serve. Who knows what God's plan is, but that's the model. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to be able to look five years from now, if God would so give me five years... And say that I met those goals with those 80 coaches. And that I was involved in bringing more Magdas and Hito to Jesus Christ. How about you? The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. The Lord Jesus. He said what he came to do. Heal the brokenhearted. Set the captive free. Liberate the oppressed. Preach the gospel to the poor. And he said, I've fulfilled that. Now it's your turn. And as the Father has sent me, so send I you. That's you and me. They poured a lot of love on us at the last gathering. I remember the kids, they they must have told them to come and love on us or something. Because I had them around my ankles, around my kneecaps, around my waist, around my head. And I was teetering. I thought I was going to fall on all 20 of them. I mean, there are that many around. And they just, they just loved on us as we had loved on them all week. But I want to close with this. Because five of the teachers who could not speak English had learned a song. And they sang this song to us in perfect English, although they couldn't speak any English at all. The song, I see the Lord seated on His throne, exalted. And the train of His robe filled the temple With glory. And the whole earth is filled. Yes, the whole earth is filled. Yes, the whole earth is filled with God's glory. And my response? Holy. Holy. Yes, holy is our Lord. I thought that was just beautiful. A wonderful ending of a wonderful week. You can be a part of it. I hope that you'll take that opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the experience of many and the experience that will come for many to be a part of uh, where, God, you're moving in a, in a tremendous way. And, Lord, you told us the ministry to do. Lord, now give us the, the strength and the wisdom and the power to do it. And, uh, Lord, help us to realize that whatever our giftings or our abilities are, um, What's even more important than our ability is our availability. And may we become all things to all people that we might by some means save some. Lord, may our legacy be one that pleases the heart of God and brings him glory. Holy. Yes, holy is our Lord. Amen. Good night. Have a good have a good week, and hope you enjoyed about hearing about Guatemala.